Welcome to the Roll for Combat Actual Play Podcast, where our intrepid adventurers are playing through the Pathfinder adventure, The Fall of Plaguestone. Join us every week as our daring adventurers face treacherous monsters and deadly obstacles on their quest to save a town from utter destruction. Lead on, listener. Your quest awaits. Hey everyone, welcome to Rule for Combat, the Fall of Plaguestone. I'm your GM and host, Steven Glicker, and in this week's episode, they're rested and ready. They're going down to the final map, the final dungeon, and this is the beginning of the end, once and for all. Will they face Villery and win? Will they all die horrible deaths? Will we be starting a new campaign next week? Find out this week. So I got a lot of notes to go over. Let me go over a few things right off the bat. First of all, the map. You're going to be hearing in this episode and a couple of others, they're saying, oh my God, this map is so big. Because in the adventure, it says that every square in this map that they're going to be on is 10 feet. So the squares look gigantic. And then I was like, that can't be right. But I double checked it and it says 10 feet. And then I even triple checked it. I downloaded the map from roll 20 and sure enough it's 10 feet so i was like okay that must be right but then of course like after i ran this i found you know buried deep inside a paizo.com message board that it was a mistake and that these squares were supposed to be five feet so when you hear everyone saying oh my god this place is gigantic it turns out that yeah it's supposed to be five feet but i tell you a lot of the creatures that are going to be encountering are enormous so i'm not sure i think the 10 feet works better because otherwise all these creatures would have been incredibly squeezed and crushed. So I I don't know what happened here. I I think it was just some weird mistake or something since this was the first adventure made for Pathfinder 2nd. It's okay. Nothing really changes. But if you're going to be running this yourself, make sure you make the map 5 feet per square. Next up, someone said that we were doing Nimble Dodge incorrectly. They were saying that all this time that... Cage should not be allowed to just retroactively give himself a plus two to his AC. That what happens is the correct order is that the monster declares an attack, and then at that point in time, he has to say, I'm going to be using Nimble Dodge, and then I get a plus two, whether or not the monster hits, which is pretty crappy because then you use up your reaction for the entire round. And I actually spoke to everyone and I said, hey, did you guys know that we've been doing it incorrectly? And they they actually said to me, oh, yeah, we thought you were doing that on purpose. So, no, I was not doing that on purpose. I was trusting that I was doing it correctly. So I don't know who's to blame here. And I'm going to say this again. I think I've said this before is that. In the past, whenever we play these games, that's so many rules and so much that I got to keep track of. I count on my players to run their characters accurately. That means knowing all their spells and knowing all their powers and that they're 100% correct. Now, I'm not blaming anyone because this is a new edition and everyone's making mistakes. And we even have someone like Vanessa, who's a developer for Paizo, a key developer. Not that she's making mistakes, but I think she's thinking, oh, I'm running it that way, maybe because the program was easier or whatever. But no, I actually really need your players to kind of know what you're doing. And I'm not just talking about me. 
If you are a player out there, know how to run your characters. Seriously, like look up the FAQs, do your research, know your characters. The GM will just not know your character as well as you do, ever. And uh, with this being a new version, I'm just going to read over all the characters. And with the new Extinction Curse, we're running two new characters. We're running a witch and we're running a swashbuckler. So I'm going to 100% make sure that I know those characters. So I will make sure that they are run correctly. Back to Nimble Dodge. I don't know. After I learned that, I thought, first I felt bad that I was doing it incorrectly. But then I thought about it. I'm like, you know, Nimble Dodge just sucks, man. It really is terrible. That's that's a terrible trade-off that you get a plus two to your AC once, whether or not the monster hits. So I probably, if I know myself, if I were me, I would say, you know, I probably said to them, yeah, just do it after because I think it's probably too weak. I wouldn't be surprised if I went back to the very first recordings and I said that. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but I probably would because that's something I would normally do. Is that if I feel that you have something that's key to your character that's like a level one ability, I don't think that's a great ability. I think it just totally sucks, to be honest. So, And I've seen articles afterwards. I was reading about the math involved, and it's just a terrible ability the way it's written. So anyhow, there you go. So another item that's going to be coming up, I don't know exactly when. It's either this or a few episodes. I don't know. But we're talking about whether or not you can use your hero points on an animal companion to save them from death. And we weren't sure, and I even asked some people at Paizo, and they weren't sure. And that's how buried it is. It's, it, we found it later in the rules that, yes, you can use your hero points on your animal companions to raise them from the dead, or better yet, prevent them from dying. So there you go. If you are playing, you can do it. And again, I do like to always get the rules right. There's one thing consistent with this group is that we like to play by the rules, especially myself, especially Vanessa, Jason as well. I think Lauren and Rob are a little bit more loosey-goosey than I am, but I like to play by the rules just because I've said it many times if you listen to the Dead Sons podcast. I, it's not that I'm a rules lawyer. I just to make sure everyone has the same playing field because when push comes to shove and characters might die, you want to make sure everyone knows the rules so that you do not feel cheated. I've had this happen many times that I've had characters die and the players don't mind because they know that we are all playing by the rules and there's no like finagling going on or cheating or switching of dice or things like that. And that is totally fine with them. I've seen it way worse the other way. When you start fooling around with the rules or start moving things around as a GM and then someone dies, you could be playing favoritism. You could say, well, why did he die and you changed the rule, but then my guy dies and you didn't do anything. You, you just don't want to go down that path. So it doesn't matter. If you want to change the rules, go ahead. Just make sure you're consistent. I can't emphasize that enough. Make sure you are consistent. And as for the rest, this is one of those weird times where they're in this huge rush. They have to move forward. But realistically, the way this module was written, it is impossible. It simply is impossible for them to finish this entire dungeon 
both levels without resting. It is an enormous dungeon. You can see how long it's taking us to do this. So I always find it kind of strange that it's like, we're in this really big rush. We got to go and save the town, but we're really tired. Let's go sleep for eight hours and then we'll keep rushing. I, I guess, you know, suspension of disbelief and it is a game, but it bothers me. I'll freely admit it does bother me a little bit. It's hard to write that into the narrative. Uh, I have a way and I figured it out, but... You know, whenever uh, I run these adventures, I try to make it, if there's a natural rest spot, that there's consequences. Like, if they're resting, like, bad things are going to happen. I usually have monsters respawn, or new patrols appear, or backups and reinforcements appear, things like that. I kind of balance it between, if you're going to rest, then it's going to get a little bit harder. So, we'll see what happens, because they took a rest. I, I felt that it was... A required rest that was written to the adventure whether they realize it or not but I do feel it was a bit of a cheat but it's okay it's okay because some really fun stuff is about to happen I really like this part oh as an aside I've been editing the new extinction curse podcast I think I might launch that early because it is so good. It is really, really good. We're just working on getting some of the music in there and a few other aspects that have nothing to do with the podcast itself. We have several episodes in the can. It's just a question of time because running three to four podcasts simultaneously is awfully hard. But with that, let's get to this week's episode. So last we left off, you have finished clearing the top of Spite's Cradle, the tower, if you will. And you went downstairs, realized there was a gigantic hallway with lots of different doors and echoey entrances. And you went, holy moly, I am not ready for this. And you guys went upstairs, you found a little room, you slept in her bed, you made a mess of things, and you healed up. And you figured out what some potions were, and now you're ready. You're ready for another day. We'll find out what happens. So, what you gonna do? You got you got all rested, and you got a whole bunch of potions identified. Well, are we ready to venture into the deep? Lauren Sieg is playing Prue Frosthammer, the half-orc spirit barbarian. I don't know that I'll ever be ready for that. Vanessa Hoskins is playing Celeste Carvassalon, the human angelic sorcerer. But here we are. I suppose we're ready as we're going to be. Jason McDonald is playing Brixley Silverthorn, the gnome champion liberator. That's probably true. All right, let's start heading in to the bottom level. Did we ever go through the supply room and look for stuff? I think we did, right? Yeah. Rob Tremarco is playing Cade Thistlerot. The halfling rogue thief. I just didn't want to forget all those nice, juicy, useful supplies. I'm sure we found some fantastic alchemist fires. Those are super useful to all characters. Slash sarcasm. You found, like, lesser alchemist fires. You found lesser acid flasks. You had, let's see, the lesser stone body mutagen. Um, moderate fire energy mutagens. Lesser tanglefoot bags. Uh, elixirs of life, mist form elixirs, if you remember. There's a whole bunch of things you found. The moderate alchemist fires are the are the damaging ones. 
I still don't know that they're useful to any of us, though. 2d8 plus 2 plus 2. And they get a plus 1 in the attack roll as well, so... And they cost persistent damage. Yeah, they cost two, they, they cause two persistent fire and two splash. So, yeah, they're pretty good. Decent. It's like the only person who can use all these is Brixley and Prue, I think, right? Easily. Does Cade not have martial weapon proficiency? I don't think so. That's a shame. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you guys just need to get some martial weapon proficiency. Someone should have told you that there was going to be 10,000 potions and bombs in this adventure. I don't know why they did it. I didn't know jars were martial. We should have just made alchemists. All of us make alchemists. That would have been funny. You guys would have, you guys would have cruised through this adventure. You would have been like, oh my god. Actually, you guys would have been fighting over everything. Well, on the other hand, the town would have hated us. That's true. So, yeah, you got a whole bunch of weapons. There's the, let's see, what else do you have? There's that lesser stone body mutagen, which is pretty good. Mist form elixir sounds cool. Yeah, mist form. And then the lesser elixirs of life. Did anyone take any of that stuff? I think we still need to hand it all out. Oh, yeah, that's I right. We, I think we still need to distribute. That's right. I gave you the list in Discord, and you guys did exactly nothing with it, so... Why don't you figure it out? I read it. I think I heard Celeste say that she wants to claim the misform elixir. Yes. Okay. Uh, we have two elixirs of life to hand out. Where do we want those to go? One for Prue, one for Bricks. Okay. I'm good with that. Um, I figure I'll take at least two of the moderate alchemist fires. Okay. I'll take two of the moderate alchemist fires. Yeah. Uh, Tanglefoot bags, lesser. Let's put those one in one for the people that can use them. Um, moderate fire energy mutagen. I remember this gives you like fire resistance and fire damage. It's basically good if something either uses a lot of fire or is weak, but it makes you weak to like two other elements. Is that right? Yeah. It makes you weak to three other elements. Oof. Yeah. That's... No way. Unless it's a fire elemental or something that's like, I don't know, tree elemental that's weak against fire. I don't know. Hard pass. Yeah. I just don't know that that's worth it. Uh, I'll still hold one just in case, like, Viltry summons a bunch of fire elementals against us, but I even still see it backfiring. Mm-hmm. Um, there's six lesser fire, uh, lesser alchemist fires. We can just split those three and three amongst the two people that are proficient with them. Uh, also splitting the four lesser acid flasks two and two amongst the two people proficient with them. And lastly, we have a lesser stone body mutagen, a single one of those. I'll take the other two modern alchemist fire then i don't think i mentioned that yeah i mean all these all these grenade like weapons you two basically should split down the middle because you're the only two that can yeah. reliably use them i guess i guess i can pull them out and use them when my health's real low and i need to kind of back out of combat for a bit or like if you're going first in combat and you don't necessarily want to get up there and then get swarmed you can just huck some alchemist fire at something and make them come to us especially if we have a good position yeah. Yeah, like an opening volley, you know? And if there's a lot of things, one of those Tanglefoot bags would be fantastic to get something pinned in place so we don't have to deal with it for a few rounds. Well, doesn't it just slow their move down by a little bit? Yep. That's all it does wow. is give you a minus 10 foot penalty. It doesn't yeah, really it's not even total immobilization. And yeah, these are the first edition Tanglefoot bags that are OP. Well, it'll still slow them down, so whatever. Where's the stone body mutagen going? 
whomever wants to be the tankiest tank in the Tankerverse. It's either you or me. True. Yeah, you have a coin we can flip for it. Well, it gives you resistance fives to physical except bludgeoning for 10 minutes. It reduces your speed by 10 feet. And it gives you a minus two to your reflex saves because you're slower. Actually, I think we should give it to Brixley and I'll tell you why. Because the rest of us already have five resistance once per turn with Brixley's thing, but he can't use it on himself. So that kind of makes Brixley like the linchpin of damage resistance. Makes sense. I'm okay with that if you are. Yeah, we Sounds just good to me. we just all collectively as a team need to remember to use it. So where did the um, moderate fire energy mutagens go? I've got one. Got one more. Who wants to be resistant to fire and nothing else? <laughs> I'll t- I'll keep one in my belt, but I'm not gonna plan on drinking it. Okay, I got it all worked out. There's a ton of stuff here, boy. Oh boy. You also have all those lessers, lesser bottle, lesser alchemist, lesser acid, but <laughs> lesser. Heh. Who does lesser nowadays, right? We don't less we don't lesser anymore. Okay, I got everything handed out. Now what? Now we go to the dungeon, I think. Sounds good. Dibs on last. I'll be first and sneaky. Okay. As I said before. You go down the staircase, which gets larger and larger as you continuously go down the spiral stairs from the laboratory. They descend 50 feet before ending into a hallway. On one side, more stairs descend further down to an iron door into the east. In front of you is a hallway that continues south to a simple wooden door. Along the wall is a carving of a small farming village surrounded by an immense graveyard. <laughs> so just put yourselves wherever you want to be on the map. Is this one of the ones that's supposed to be 10 foot squares or are they 5 foot squares? It's 10 foot squares. I was, I was correct. I thought I was incorrect, but I was not. So this is the appropriate size? Oh, yeah. That's oh wild. Gosh. I'm going to be luxurious. sick to Lauren's stomach. You, you can, like, spread out. You need a lot of room for this part of the adventure. Don't worry about having a massive amount of space. Can't, that can't say, or whoever lives, whoever lives here needs a lot of space. How, how big is Gargantuan? I forget. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Too big for this. Oh, Gargantuan will fit in here. No problem. Even worse is that as small as everything was above, that means whatever lives here doesn't get out much. Or has another means of egress. Okay. What you doing? I'm gonna, Waiting I'm gonna, for Cade. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to peep around that corner. Is there any doors? Yeah, that's the hallway that goes down into a iron door that's closed. To the south is a wooden door also closed. You want to go to the wooden door or the iron door? I feel like the iron door is protecting something more vicious. Maybe the wooden door first? Yeah. There's torches on the wall, sputtering light everywhere, giving an eerie glow. I will sneakily approach the wooden door, keeping an eye out for any kind of pressure trap, drop trap, side trap, pit trap, corner trap, trap trap. Middle of the air trap. Why? Just because it's a huge corridor? Don't worry about it. Just run down <laughs> the corridor. 
Just run down the corner Never. screaming, banging on every single scream. Yes. Do like a backflip through the air, wearing bells, making noise. Hey, I'm going to I'm going to take out my stack of uh, of of uh, ceramic plates. Hold on. <laughs> sure. You can. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, here, Brixley, hold my symbol collection. Do you always bring those into the dungeons with you? It's it's very precious to me. Says the guy who has a cat that's on fire. Wait, where's your scarf made of jingle bells? Oh, Brixley wears those on the ends of his toes on his boots, right? <laughs> he is a gnome. I'm foppish, but I don't know if I actually have bells on my clothing. <laughs> okay, here I am at the wood door. It's a door. It's made out of wood. I turn around and like... I mouth, here I go. And I look at the door. I check it for trapos. I check it for lockos. Here's to be unlocked. I listen. I listen for heavy breathing. I listen for scratching. You hear nothing but echoes coming through the door as this whole area is so large. Okay. And then I back up and I gesture towards Brixley and Prue to open the door. It's unlocked and untrapped. All right. I'll step up. Uh, to the door, and I'll open it. Don't leave Kitty behind. You open the door, creaks open. You open the door into a massive chamber that contains an alchemist laboratory. But unlike the one upstairs, it is clear that, that this is a laboratory for only one alchemist. Everything is meticulously cleaned and well-organized. Two cauldrons bubble alongside a central table, covered in alchemical equipment. The walls are lined with shelves that hold old books and orderly rows of glass bottles, each containing reagents and ingredients. Three pits, their contents hidden from view, fill one side of the room, the southern side. Nearby, a tall glass cylinder contains the blackened corpse of a dwarf surrounded by a swirling green mist. That is to the south west of you. Way to the east, you see a set of double doors, and to the northeast, you sense a corridor leading somewhere else. What do you do? Is this equipment sized for a medium creature or a large creature? It is sized for a medium to large creature. A medium to... Okay, because the map makes this stuff look so big. Well, it looks like a medium creature could use it and a large creature quite comfortably. You're right. What okay. is this circle thing? How about a gargantuan creature? Could a gargantuan creature use it? They could. How is this lab definitely for one person when it's literally four times the size of the lab upstairs? Which I feel like, like I'm walking into a football field. Oh my gosh. To be an archer in this room. Seriously. Funny you should mention that. <laughs> that well, archer is at large. I guess I'll step into the room. Let's investigate the room. Um, Celeste is going to be using detect magic and looking around for magical stuff. I'm looking around for foes. I'm sure that they're here. You detect magic and you detect no magic with your detect magic. However, Cade notices mm -hmm. way off into the corner behind one of the cauldrons. It looks like a small rat made out of fire is tending to that cauldron, but it has not quite noticed you yet. What do you do? I whisper to everybody, 
There's a fire rat at the far cauldron. Now it's very hard for you to see. It's he's, and... he's a tiny little bastard. Good thing we brought a fire cat. It's covered in smoke. And the only reason you're able to see it is because you have really good perception. None of you can see it. All you see is smoke coming from the cauldron. None of you can even see what he's talking about. But Cade thinks he sees a rat made out of fire. Either that or he's been drinking. If only we had a moderate fire energy mutagen that would protect us from fire. I feel like it's a trick. I feel like it's a trap. (laughs) This is a Bowman scenario, so you're probably right. What is in that blue circle again? A dwarf, you said? A pickled dwarf. A pickled dwarf. Mm -hmm. There's a dwarf that is completely blackened. And there's a weird green mist circling around the area. Do you wish to go closer? It's not bored, is it? Do you wish to go closer and examine it? Cover your mouth. I'll check it out. You go up to it. You look in. There's a dwarf in there. His skin is split open. And there's a fungus inside him that's slowly consuming his flesh. The vapor around him is also rotting his flesh and devouring it. It's green and kept within this glass cylinder, but it seems eager to get out. I really feel baited into this fire mutagen. It's bad news. Resistance to the rat and extra damage against that thing when it inevitably pops out. It makes it sound like the fire mutagen's a real good idea. On the tables themselves, you see a lot of alchemist tools, elixirs, and a large book. Well, let me walk up to the table with the book. I want to read the book. That's the far table. Oh, the far table? Of course. Well, I'm going to slowly make my way there. Uh, As long as my friends are at my back, I don't want to go that far by myself. I'm always ten feet behind you. Maybe. I will take out my staff sling and sneakily go toward the edge of the first table and peek around it. Slowly. Oh, so slowly. This thing is like a gymnasium. This place is enormous. I'm going to measure this. Well, it's 60 feet on the short measurement. Yeah, it's like... I count 100 feet the long way. 115 feet. Yeah, 115 feet long. 60 feet high. Not including the alcoves. The alcoves, it's another... Then it's 80 feet. All right, I'm going to finish moving up to that table. Prue is slowly moving up to the table. Oh, so slowly. I don't trust anything in this scenario. All right, what's that? What's the cover of that book say? The book... How to Eat Man. ...is open. You get a better look at that rat. What's he doing? He's heating the cauldron. Like, sitting under it? Yes. He's literally the source of the heat for the cauldron is a rat made of fire just kind of resting there. Like a dog would sleep, like, under the table. This rat is sleeping under the cauldron. And he's not trapped in it. He's just laying no. up against it. Yeah. He's just, he's just there hanging out, bubbling the cauldron. Just you know, You're the only one who can really kind of see it. Everyone else just sees fire, but you see what it looks like a rat made out of fire. Oh, God, he's someone else's pet. What are these three, like, rock things at the bottom? Are they anything or just pillars? Those, Those are, are alcoves. Those are pits. Those are alcove pits. So the book is open. You'll have to get a little closer if you want to examine the book. There All right, I'll get a little tons closer. Tons of alchemical equipment on this table. There you go. So there's a book. It's open. There's dozens of 
finished elixirs and potions all over this place. The equipment has a weird green residue on it everywhere you look. Like it's coated in spores, maybe? It's coated in something nasty. Oh. Looks like an oily green residue. Tell me about this book. What do you do? Do you pick it up? Do you look at it? What do you do with the book? Well, the book's covered in something too, right? No, the book's just open. But it's got like the oily green sheen to it? No, that's all the um, the equipment actually has oily green sheen to it. You make me feel like I'm falling for a trap if I say I pick it up and look at it. <sighs> Pick it up and look you don't at have it. to pick it up. And look at it. You can just look, <laughs> look at, at it. What's he been trying to do? And he's been all cagey about it. Oh, I, I no, I'm not being cagey. You can look at it. Look, I'm not telling you. If I was playing with the other guys, they would have been using Mage Hand and like going through the book from the other side of the room. So I don't have Mage Hand. They would have been using a stick, ten foot pole, and yeah. you know, just look at it and see what it, if anything is on it. That's, or just I'm like not a yeah. I was waiting for you to tell me what to do. Yeah, you look at it, you pick it up, and you're like, "Oh, this is this is literally an alchemist's recipe book. This is like the book. Like you flip through it real quick, it is filled with recipes, and you're just like, "Holy crap! This thing is fantastic. This thing's got everything you would ever want, and then some." It's just pages and pages of recipes, and you you're gonna take some. You need some time to go through this because you're not an alchemist, but you can tell that this thing is just jam packed. What page was it open to? It was open to something fascinating. Oh, give me a crafting check, or I do the crafting check, so you don't do it. Let's so see. you know how like I'm not actually the best cook, but I can read the top of a cookbook and know what I'm what I'm looking at. Does it have a title at least? Yes. Okay. My crafting is plus six. You look at the page that it was open to after flipping through various pages within the book. At the very top, it says Vidirian Vapor. It describes this as an absolute lethal dose contracted by inhaling the vapor. It causes a disease of horrific fungus to grow inside the lungs within hours, leading to an agonizing death. The book does not describe a cure, but very detailed instructions on how to create this. Is that what's in the pickled dwarf case? I think so. As you're reading about this and becoming aware that this is like the most horrific, disgusting poison you've ever seen in your life, the rat from under the cauldron stirs. Roll for combat! It doesn't like that you were poking around. Kade notices that the rat's sort of moving out from underneath the cauldron. Now the thing Excellent. is, Cinder Rat is covered in smoke, which means you always have a 50% chance to miss. Always. Wow. So Smart. be it. <laughs> You're up. All right, I have been sneaking, and that means he is uh, flat-footed to me in the first sure. round of combat. So here comes my attacks with my staff sling. God damn it. Three, not even close. Again. Oh, sorry. sorry. We're it's doing a, this again? It's a 20% mischance, not 50%. Concealed's only 20% chance. Sorry about that. Ugh. 
Yep, we're doing this again. All low rolls. And the Hail Mary. That was impressive. A three, a three, seven, seven a three. three. Good job. All right. Well, enjoy. Cinderath goes. The Cinderath seems to not enjoy Miss <laughs> Prue going through her master's book. Heads over to little Prue. And as it comes near you, you realize that the entire area around the rat is covered in smoke. And it's making you cough and gag a little. Blah, blah. And before you worry about that, it's going to attack you with its baby jaws. Baby, baby jaws. It misses completely. But it's going to try one more time. A six and a two. At least it's fair for everybody. Prue, give me right. a, a fortitude save as you are in its aura of smoke and it is affecting your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your throat. Oh, boy. Oh, 28. Hey okay, the good news is you clear your lungs and the smoke around the rat's not affecting you. However... It's still concealed, even though you're standing right next to it. You will have a 20% chance to miss, no matter what. You go. Okay, I'm thinking I should probably use my first action to do the rage, because that's how barbarians play, and if I don't do it, I'm wasting damage. So I'll do that. Okay, you are raging. And then my second and third actions will be some direful. A four will not cut it. This is incredible. Nobody's rolled over 10 yet. Wait, I can't That's not that. true. You that rolled a 19. 19. That was you the 19. You rolled a yeah. 19. I'm just so used to low rolls. I'm just ready for them. Let's see what the next one is, shall we? All okay. Right. DC now, 20 to, to see. You have to get a five or higher. Five or higher. Okay. Mm-hmm. Three. three. Of course. These dice are rigged. You miss as you try to hit. You think you got it, but you hit smoke instead. Brixley and Ember are up. It's Ember versus Cinder. Fire versus fire. All right, I'm going to move in, and I'm going to attack. Do you want to move to flank? Can I actually get to the table? Yeah, you can stand. Yeah, I got enough measure. It's so big, it's fine. 50% miss. 20% miss. 20% miss. Yeah. You hit. The poor little rat squishes and squeaks as it gets hit, and you see fire go out everywhere. I'm going to go ahead and go for another attack. Or wait, actually, no, I'm going to command I'm gonna command uh, Ember to try to box him in. Cat versus mouse. Ember. Uh, you know what can run under the table? I'm just letting you know. Anyhow. Oh, really? Well, whatever. I no, didn't know. Yeah. It's a little tiny rat made out of fire. But you can you can try to box it in for whatever you got. <gasps> oh, my God. You're attacking. Give me 1d20. A 10. You hit. So, lo and behold, it's immune to fire damage. But you do... Not unexpected. Slashing damage, which is nice. Not too shabby. Celeste is up. I bet it's immune to fire, so produce flame probably does nothing. 
Um, it seemed to be most interested in Prue, although Brixley hit it pretty hard. I'm going to assume it's going to turn around and go after Brixley. So Celeste is going to cast Forbidding Ward between the Rat and Brixley, giving Brixley a plus one status bonus to his armor class. And then she is going to... Ooh, can I use Guidance yet? Check on my cheat sheet. No, I haven't taken long. Oh, it's the next day. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to cast Guidance on Prue, hoping she can squish it. And that's it. That's my turn. Cade's up. All right. I will move, get a clear shot, and attack, attack. Oh, you're bad at this, Cade. I Seven. suck. And a one. Just getting him out of the way. Cinderat. Cinderat does something a little unexpected. It starts making sounds like, and you're like, huh? I don't know what that's all about. Would it be raising the fire alarm? Oh! Yeah, I broke out the cautery. <laughs> Would be. It attacks Prue with its little jaws and misses. It tries to attack Prue again. Oh. Little itty bitty fire jaws do twelve points of damage. That's a lot of that's a lot of damage. Uh, what kind I, of damage? Can I get Brixley's reaction fire. on this? Oh right, yeah, I'll, I'll block five of that. Okay. And you get a free swing. Uh sure, you can get a free swing. Uh do I take the free swing or does Brixley? Brixley does. I don't think that's I thought that's the paladin ability. I thought the liberator ability is different. No, Liberator, if, is, is you block the damage, and if they're also in melee reach of you, then you also get a free swing. What's it called? Liberating Step? No, that's not it. What's it called? It's called Retributive Strike, or however that's it's, pronounced. Yeah, Retributive Strike. It's on page 107. If the foe is within reach, make a melee strike against it. You protect your allies. Yeah, you get to do it. Jason. Oh, wait, that's the, pa- but that's, I'm sorry, that's the Paladin ability. That's not the Liberator ability. If it's if you read further, if you go further up into the beginning of the, sorry, let me. I have to bring up the rules. Do you not have? Do you have not retributive strike? Do you have liberating step? Oh, liberating step. Yeah, I have okay. the liberating. St- I have the liberating step because I'm a chant because I'm a liberator. Oh, okay. I'm not a paladin. Okay. Okay. In that case, yeah. So it's just damage resistance. I'm reading it now. If you free an ally from restraint. The trigger was an ally taking damage. They gain damage assistance to all damage, yada, yada, yada. The ally can attempt to break free of attempts grabbing restraining, yada, yada. Um, if they can move, they can step as a free action. Mm-hmm. Even if they didn't need to escape. So I don't think I need to step, though. Well, that's what I'm saying is I don't get a free strike. An enemy, no, no. The trigger is an enemy. Yeah, you don't get a free strike. You're right. We were wrong. The trigger, though, is an enemy damages, grabs, or grapples your ally. So damage is still a trigger. Yes. And the resistance is two plus level, so in this case, five. Okay, so you still get... So you just heal people. That's all you get, Jason. Yep. And damage prevention. And if there's a grapple, I can help get them out of a grapple. And the free step's good if we weren't quite in position. Okay. The second strike, it tries to hit you. It it fails. But, Prue, you're on fire with persistent damage. Yay. Great. Give me a fortitude save, as this entire area is now covered in soot and ash, as the rat is burning, burning, burning. Does guidance automatically affect this save? Uh, no. Okay, then in that case, I don't think I'll use guidance, because fort is my good one. 
but a nat one is a bad one, as expected. Okay. You are sickened one. That's all it is. So while you are um, being ill by the smoke, you take a minus one to your checks and DCs because you're coughing up. That's all it really is. You can spend one action retching and attempt to recover. And also, do keep in mind, you're on fire. Yeah, I didn't forget that. Um, can I spend two actions patting out the fire? Is that how that works? Yes, and then you get another save right away at a DC 10. Okay, I'll spend two actions patting out the fire. Okay, then give me a flat check. 15, you pat out the fire. It's all gone, so now you got one action left. Yeah, I can either retch away the sickening or I can attack. I've got guidance sickening on. Sickening only lasts one round. It's only oh, one okay. Round, so. Well, then I might as well just attack. On, I'll put the guidance on this one to cancel out the sickening. Actually, no, wait. Hold on. Sickening. Nope. You're sickened one until you get rid of it. So basically you just keep trying every turn. But sickening is not that bad. All it does is just give you a minus one to your checks and DCs. And you can't Does it add up? It could. Um, and okay. then you get like elixirs, potions you can't drink. You basically can't keep anything down. Okay. Well, I'll go ahead and... I'll try my luck. I'll spend in it. I'll spend my last action on an attack. With guidance. With guidance. DC fifteen. You got to get above. Let's see. DC five. DC five. You got to get above. Okay. I'm messing thing. I'm messing things up. I got to Come on, D twenty. Yeah. Nineteen. You see, you're rolling. You hit it. Thirteen points of damage. Pretty good. And you don't take the persistent damage. Good job. Brixley, he needs to give me a fortitude save as he too is in the fire. Ooh, oh yeah, nineteen for a twenty-eight. That's yeah. You're fine. You are. You're like fire. All right, time to attack then. DC five checks to see if you can get through the concealment. You hit the poor mm -hmm. rat is almost Keep on dead. Attacking. He's like, oh no, the uh, the rats. It's uh, it's uh. The rapier is that? What type of weapon is that? Um, piercing, and or are you asking like agile finesse type thing? Yeah, that stuff, agile finesse stuff. I think it's finesse, but not agile. That sounds right. Yeah. In that case, you just miss. All right. Well, I'm gonna just go for the third attack. You don't want Ooh. Ember to get two attacks. I think the is the pet attacks like inherit your minus, or is that only when you're riding it? The pet has its own uh, attack modifiers and multi-attack penalties. It won't have a minus. No, but in, in mounted combat, the pet kind of it piggybacks your minus. But I don't think that... If, if that's not the case... You're not mounted on it. Yeah, if it's only when mounted, then that's fine. All right, well, I'll give Ember a couple shots. Ember needs to give me a fortitude save. 20 does not do it. Ember is sickened. Wow, that's pretty high DC. 20 does not do it. Okay, Ember. Well, I'm still going to go ahead and have Ember attack. The second's not that bad. It's just really for checks. Four does not make it. Is Ember attacking again? Yeah. 13 pretty good, but since it's the second attack. Well, that was a waste of a round. You hit once. This rat. Well, that was still a waste of a round. He's given us a longer fight than most orcs. Yeah, this rat's dynamite. Celestia. I hope not. It's on fire. That would be funny. Kaboom! 
It'd be the second rat that exploded, or the third rat that exploded for us, so trend is Why do you set. think I'm standing way back here? Because you're useless in melee? I thought that was why. I mean, that's also why. Uh, so, <laughs> for Celeste's action, she's going to spend one uh, focusing on the Forbidden Ward spell between the rat and Brixley, and she's going to spend her last two actions putting a new Forbidden Ward spell between uh, Prue and the rat. That's a lot of Forbidding Wards. Uh, I got I gotta keep focusing. She's got both hands out, like trying to keep all her magic sustained. You know, trying to protect her team. Cool. Before Cade goes, though. Before? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Let me know when I can go. Uh oh. Out of one of the pits. Oh no! One of those alchemical drudges that you fought before upstairs rises out of the pit. Yep. See. Climbs up. And sees Cade. I told you they're baitness with the fire mutagen. I called it. Yep. Yep. Hangs out. Tries to punch Cade in the face after he climbs out of the pit. Misses by a mile. At least it didn't puke on you. Wait. That's next. I go? Of course not. Oh. Here comes the second one. Coming out of the center pit. Heads over to Prue and tries to attack, punching Prue. Can I get some resistance on this? Hits you with three slashing and five acid. Um, do we want to keep? Do we want to save it for that? Do you want to use it now? Or, well, I mean, five is five. It's five less damage. Yeah, I guess regardless. damage is damage. I'll go ahead and use my reaction to block the five of that. Do you want to step away from it? Oh, yeah, I get an immediate step. I'll take it. Okay. Where are you going? I'm trying to take it. I'm trying to move next to the cat. Cade's up. See, that made Libring Strike even better, because I just avoided the whole second attack. (laughs) Well, there's only Uh, one attack, because it one action to climb out of the pit, one action to walk over to you, and then just one punch. So that was it. Oh, well, that's fine. Cade's up. Uh, I will drop my staff slank. Draw the short sword and stab. Good job, you hit ten points Hooray. of damage. I hit yeah. something. Well, you're doing well. You poke it full yeah. of holes. Just the one. That's it. That's my three actions. Unless dropping's a free action. Free action. Dropping. All right. Well, one more shot. You got one more. There's not a lot of free actions. Talking, dropping. <laughs> Yeah, mess him up. Hopping and locking. <laughs> Hopping and locking. There you go. Those are free actions. Is that a 24? That's 24. It does not crit. It's not a, not a crit. Nope. Cinderat goes. Cinderat makes some more noises. It's like making all these noises. This, is, this rat's the mastermind. <laughs> you don't realize it, but the rat's actually in charge of everything. Tries to bite Brixley. Messes. Tries to bite Brixley again. That's going to hit. It rolls a 23. That will definitely hit you. With the status bonus and everything? What's the status bonus? How much of his? It's just one. I didn't know yeah. if it was like barely ahead. No, it's fairly. He has an AC of uh, what, 20. So three more higher. So it still hits you. And you're also on fire. And one more try. And misses by a mile. Bro, give me a fortitude save as the fire is making you cough. All right, here it comes. 
Boom. 22. You make it. Barely. You avoid the smoke and, like, blow it out of your face. But you're still sick in one. Now the oh, wait. If you're sick in one... It's 21. It's 21. You don't make it. <laughs> oh, wow. That's impressive. You, you just missed it. All right. So how many actions is it to get rid of sick in two? It's one action per attempt. So basically, you spend a single action retching an attempt to recover, which immediately lets you attempt a fortitude save against the DC of the effect you made sickened. On a success, you reduce it by one or two on a critical success. Does that mean that the more sickened you are, the harder it is to get rid of it? Yes. Huh. Well, I think I have to get rid of this rat. So Yes. Let's attack. Let's. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to do one action to cough up all this smoke. Okay. Wow, you missed by one again. Actually, you just missed by two. You're all the 20. 20. Yep. It was a good try. Sorry, 19. A, you're all the 19. You're actually missed by three. So sorry about that. That's a really rough save since Fort's my good one and 13 and 12 couldn't do it. That's that's hard math. Um, And then I'll attack the rat. Three. All right, let's get one more on it. Uh, give me the DC to hit. You don't want to miss this one. I got my three out of the way. This Five should be fine. Five or higher. Five or higher. Oh, I rolled a four. Son of a bitch. Uh, what? Even. Rexley, give me a fortitude save as the rat is making you cough. Ooh, 17 ain't going to do it. You are also sickened. And on fire. All right. Well, I'm going to keep attacking. Give me uh, 16. Yeah. Finally. You kill the rats. So you got two actions left. You can either try to put out the fire or not. Uh, yeah, this turn, I guess I'll try to get the fire taken care of. Okay, just a flat check. You put out the fire. Hell yeah. We don't want your persistent damage. Celeste is up. All right, now that those forbidden gorgons are down, let's start taking out these alchemical dredges. Uh, produce flame. And I'm close enough to the one that Cade already started softening up, so I'm going to go for that one. You hit. Seven points of fire damage. Take that. Alright, I got one left. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw Guidance on Cade since he's out there all by his lonesome. It's alright, Cade, you can do it. Yeah. End of turn. Oh, I forgot how much fun this is. The alchemical drudge next to you, Kane, vomits up uh, this guy. The acid. Give me a reflex save. <laughs> oh, one. Double damage. Yep, double the damage. Oh, no. I, um... Eight times two. That's big damage. 16 points of damage as the acid coats you and goes into your clothes, into your underwear, going into places you really don't want it to go. Ew. Joke's on him. I need acid in my underwear. <laughs> poop dagger. Yes, yeah, so the poop dagger is being cleaned again. Oh, God. You keep it in there? I keep it near. It's in my pants. It's not next to my skin. The... Okay, it tries to swing at you and misses, so that's it. The second alchemical drudge goes over 
to Prue and pukes on top of Prue. Give me a reflex save. You see, this is actually... Minus two. That's okay. <laughs> I was planning for this. This is what I wanted to happen. Oh, it's actually not bad. You got a 12. Not enough, but it's not bad. Eight points of damage. Can I get a liberating step from this? Yep, liberating step coming right up. And then I'll step away from it and out of the pool. But you still take the damage. I'll take the three damage. Where are you trying to move to? Just five foot back. There? That's fine. Yeah, that was good, wasn't it? Cade, here's something. This guy. Up to the north, you hear what sounds like a cell door opening. And you see something approaching. Sure, why not? The amalgam. Oh, jeepers, creepers. What in the heck? We are ill-prepared for this. see a creature. We had a long rest. A enormous creature. It is a jumble of legs, arms, tails, mouths, eyes. It is slumbering towards you slowly. It is enormous, 15 feet tall. And it looks absolutely horrific. It's slowly, oh so slowly, approaching from the north. It seems to be investigating the sound. As it sees Brixley, it lets out a bellow, a scream. And it sounds like dozens of voices screaming at once. And it goes into a rage. Cade is up. Oh, gods. Great. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Pathfinder actual play podcast. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at RollForCombat.com. You can also find us and play various role-playing games on our Discord channel at Discord.RollForCombat.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and other social media platforms. You've been listening to Roll for Combat. Until next week, always remember that those ghouls don't want to steal your soul. They just want a hug. <laughs>